Welcome to our broadcast today, The Wonderful Words of Life. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to finish up this wonderful letter by the Apostle Peter. And we're going to be talking about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To set everything right. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And I hope, like me, that you're earnestly desiring the coming of the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now, listen to what the writer of Proverbs says. Notice in chapter four, beginning in verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring forth the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look straight to the Lord, ponder the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. You will not turn to the right or to the left, and you will remove your foot from evil. Praise God. So the writer of Proverbs here, he's talking about walking in the word of God, walking and receiving the wisdom that is found in the word of God. And that's what we're going to do today. Praise God. Father, we love you with all of our heart. Now, Lord, we ask you to come alongside of us to help us in the ministry of the word of God, both in the teaching of your word and Lord, in the hearing and in the doing of your word. And we'll give you the praise, honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. Now, this third chapter, uh, Paul, I mean, Peter begins to uh, talk to believers concerning the coming of the Lord and of the judgment that is to follow. And he reminds us, us believers now, that we are to not allow our trust and our confidence in the coming of the Lord be shaken at all. Amen. Because if the Lord that created the heavens and the earth, amen, he did, he created the heavens and the earth, amen, he did it in his time with his plan and his purpose, and if he did that, then he will also oversee the end of this universe, the rapture of the church. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad that my life is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the way, the truth and the life. Aren't you? Praise God. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, now we just ask for your blessing upon your word. All right. Second Peter, chapter three, beginning in verse one. Notice. What Peter writes, he says, this is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should, verse two, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. So, what Peter is saying here is he, he's reminding uh, you and I as believers, he's reminding us of the first principle of Christian growth and maturity, and that is we pay attention to Bible reading, not just Bible reading, but Bible study and Bible meditation. These three elements, these three disciplines, I call them disciplines of Bible reading, Bible study and Bible meditation is what is going to cause us to move from the milk of the word 
to begin to receive the meat of the word. In other words, the ability to grow up in things spiritual. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It reminds me of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church where he took the first 10 chapters of his first letter and he was exhorting them. He was rebuking them. He was disciplining them concerning things that were going on in the church. Amen. Much of those first 10 chapters uh, speak of, of things that were wrong in the church. He started out his letter by saying, I couldn't speak unto you as in spiritual, but as unto carnal, as 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 flesh ruled believers. Amen. And then after he shared the and, and reordered and corrected the errors they were making concerning the Lord's table in verse 12, he says, now concerning spiritual things. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to go on to that. We need to go on to spiritual things. And one of the spiritual things that we need to go on to not only uh, take hold of, but allow to root on the inside of us is the coming of the Lord. Amen. And we do that by remembering the word that was spoken beforehand. Now, repetition is not an evil enterprise. Going over the basics of our Christian faith is absolutely necessary. We teach ourselves or we are taught by others. And this is a listen. This is a great lesson. This is a great principle for teachers of the word. Teach your people and then test them. And then that which they haven't grasped, teach them again. Repeat, repetition, repetition over and over and over and over again. How does somebody learn how to play the guitar? By repetition. Amen. How does somebody learn a song? By repetition. How are you and I going to grasp the things of God? By staying in the word of God and reading and in study and in meditation, going over and over and over, repeating these things. Amen. That's how we memorize scripture. We just repeat them. So uh, repetition is not an evil enterprise. All right. Verse three, knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. And I'm telling you, the world is filled with mockery today concerning the things of God. Verse four, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? They say this in such a way, they say it as a mockery. Where's the promise of his coming? Where is it? I mean, you, you people, you talk about the coming of the Lord. Well, where is he? Forever since, notice this, finishing out verse four, forever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Once again, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Amen. Now, listen to me. Verses three and four, that's one of the strongest statements in support of premillennialism because of the apostles taught that the Lord is going to come after the church has won the entire world. Nobody would be saying, well, where's the promise of his coming? They'd be looking to you. They'd be looking to the arm of the flesh. Well, one day we're going to get all the world saved. And when we get all the world saved, then Jesus is going to come. That is so far out of line with scripture, with the interpretation of scripture. It's really silly. If you ask me. No, this is one of the verses three and four. This is one of the strongest arguments for the doctrine of eminence. Now, what is the doctrine 
of imminence. It's the doctrine that the Lord's return could happen at any moment. Now, uh, but unfortunately, most of the world is not looking. Or they don't even believe in and they're not looking for the Lord's return. So his return is going to be like a thief in the night. Verse five, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God. Listen to this. This is what Peter's saying now in defense of the doctrine of eminence and in the coming of the Lord. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Go back to Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. This is exactly what Peter's speaking of through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the heavens, speaking of what happened in in Noah's flood, but the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, did you catch that verse seven? But the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The antediluvian race was totally wiped out with the exception of Noah and his family by the flood, by water. This world now, this dispensation, this age that we're in, this world is going to end by fire. Amen. The fire is going to purify. Praise God. Amen. So it was the Lord who first created the heaven and the earth. And it is he that is sustaining all things by the word of his power. That's what the uh, Paul in writing to the Hebrew church said. Amen. And he's going to end this world and he's going to rend it with fire. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. John says the very thing in Revelation chapter 20. Notices, notice verses 11 and then verse 21. Chapter 21, verse one. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And then in verse uh, uh, chapter 21, verse one, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. So this world is passing away, but it's not going to pass away when the scientists say it's going to pass away. It's going to pass away when God has determined it's going to pass away. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're going to find out that God is very, very patient. Verses eight and nine. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that the Lord, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing or wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Lord's waiting for. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to be gathered through the the early and the latter rains. Amen. Praise God. So the Lord's eternal. Now, he's not ruled by time. He's not ruled by your time, my time. He's not ruled by Earth's time. He's not world. He's not ruled by the world's time. He's ruled. He's not ruled by time. He's ruled by his own plan and his own purpose. Amen. And the and Moses said, you know, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us. <coughs> See the things of the New Testament. <coughs> They're God's revelation to us. 
And part of that revelation is the coming of the Lord. Now, listen to what Jesus himself said. Now, notice this. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Now, this is speaking specifically of pastors and shepherds. So if you're listening to this program, you're a pastor or a shepherd. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus says here. Who then is a faithful and wise servant who his Lord has made ruler over his household to give to his servants food in due season? That's your job, pastor. That's that's our job as pastors and teachers. We give the people of God food, meat in due season, whether it be milk, depending upon the the uh, level of maturity of the people we teach, whether it be milk or whether it be meat, we give them food that they can live by. Amen. Praise God. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and he begins to smite his fellow servants. Remember, we are to live peaceful with one another. We're to love one another. But if we if we adopt this false idea that the Lord's not coming, he's delaying his coming, he's not going to come. And then so the evil, we begin to yield to the evil that's in this world and begin to smite our fellow servants. In other words, act like the world acts. You know, listen, you're, you're a church member. I'm a church member. We're part of the body of Christ. We are called to be separate. <laughs> Amen. And that's how we live our life. We love those around us, but we live separate lives. We don't do what they do. We don't say what they say. If they gossip, we don't let if they gossip. We don't let that spirit of the gossiper get on, get in us. We keep ourselves free from that stuff. We keep ourselves separate from that stuff. And so what the Lord Jesus is saying here is talking about an evil servant and begin to smite his fellow servants to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day that he's not looking for. Him. And there's so many in the world that are living their lives like that. There's so many in the church that are living their lives like that. Listen, friends, let me ask you a question. If you knew the Lord Jesus were coming in the next few hours, what would you do? What would change concerning your life? What concerns would you have? And let me ask you this. Everything that you're holding on to now, how important, it w- how important would it be to hold on to it in light of the fact that you knew that Jesus were coming in just a few hours? Uh, your life would change. Things would change. Amen. Praise God. And so that's what the Lord Jesus is teaching us in this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 24. Evil servants. Notice what Jesus says. This the 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 householder now, the ruler will cut the evil servant asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Notice that with the hypocrites. Notice what Isaiah says. Concerning the nation of Israel, this is found in chapter 33, verse 14. I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing, just first part of it. The sinful people of Zion. Who are the sinful people of Zion? They were the hypocrites. They were the ones just playing the part. Amen. Like an actor. You know, during this season, we watch a lot of uh, uh, movies about Jesus 
And we, we, we watch these actors that portray just such a wonderful, wonderful character, like in the Apostle Peter or Paul or even in the Lord Jesus. And then uh, you finish watching that movie and lo and behold, they're in another movie or you, you listen to uh, an interview and uh, they're the most ungodly people. You, 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 you study their life and find out, you know, that they're on drugs and they're, they're been thrown in jail several times. And, and why is that? And you, and you think, man, you know, acting the part of Jesus or acting the part of Apostle Peter, you would think some of that rubbed off on them. No, they were hypocrites. All they were doing was playing a part. Let's not be found to be hypocritical when it comes to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not just play a part. Let's be a part of the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's cling to him. Amen. And part of the clinging to him is looking for his soon return. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now think about this. All the disciples that fled Jesus when he was arrested, every one of them played the hypocrite because they all pledged that they would never forsake him, all that they would die for him. But they played the hypocrite. Every one of them fled. Peter denied the Lord Jesus, but they all did. Judas betrayed him. But notice that after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of them repented. Every one of them reconsecrated their lives and they loved not their lives unto the death. Amen. So they stopped playing the hypocrite and they became true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through those men. They began to change the world. Amen. And especially those that came after them. So you are a world changer. Praise God. Amen. And you are not a hypocrite. Let's say what we mean and mean what we say. And let's let's make sure that the word of God is the proper interpretation now of the word of God is that foundation that we stand upon. Amen. Now, look at verse nine. The Lord, notice this, is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient towards you. This is what Peter is saying writing to the believers in Asia Minor. But the Lord is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He's speaking specifically of the false prophets and false teachers. Those that have moved themselves out of the way of the Lord by teaching things that are not right. So why is the Lord patient? Why does he delay his coming? Why? Because he's gracious. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Even those that are in the church, but they're playing the hypocrite. He wants them to be saved too, be born again, repent and come into line, into alignment. And let me tell you something. The church is not going to have revival until we come into alignment with his will and with his purpose. So that's what we need to be praying for. We need to be praying for us. Lord, what is it about me that I need to come into alignment with you so that I can have a revival? And so that revival will spread throughout my church, my community, my state, my nation and the world. Praise God. And then in verse 10, Peter says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away 
with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Amen. As surely as God created the heaven and the earth, he's going to end it just like he has planned. Not how you or I plan. And it's not climate change that's going to destroy this planet. Let me tell you right now, it's not climate change. Now, do I believe in climate change? Of course I do. Anyone who is a, a believer in the Bible, notice that the climate is going to change. Amen. Verse 10 tells us that. But it's not man that's going to destroy the planet. It's going to be God. And God is going to do it the way he has planned. He's going to do it. Amen. How are you and I going to make sure that we escape? Well, we just live for him. Amen. Before judgment comes, God's taking his church out. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And let's not be like the five foolish virgins who were totally unprepared. The Lord Jesus, when he comes, he's probably going to come at a most inconvenient time. <laughs> Like the bridegroom did. He came at midnight. And the five foolish virgins, they hadn't taken any extra oil. They were unprepared. And by the time they went to buy more oil, more oil for their lamps and come back to the place where the marriage supper of the Lamb was being celebrated, they were locked out. They had to stand outside, in other words. They stayed in outer darkness. Listen, I don't want to be on the outside looking in. I want to be in the inside looking out. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Verse 10 again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Well, what's the day of the Lord? Well, the Jews broke all of man's history into two ages. The first age they called this present age. This is the age of rebellion. This is the age where evil and sin abounds. And the Apostle Paul called it this present evil age. And then there was the golden age. That was the age of Messiah. That was the age when all rule and all rebellion is put down and everything is restored. Israel is restored to its place, rightful place in the world. But now this is something I want us to realize. Man is not in control of either of those ages. It's out of his control. He's in this world, but he, he's not controlling it. He thinks he does. Our leaders in this world think they're controlling this world, but they're not. No, but this present evil age, it's going to end when God determines it's going to end. And the golden age will come when God determines it's going to come. It's in his mind and he will do all his pleasure. Praise God. But it all begins when the Son of Man comes. Praise God. That's why we're excited about the coming of the Lord. Now, verse 11 says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and in godliness? So what Peter is saying here is that if we are expecting Jesus to come, his imminent return, we are going to be acting and our conduct is going to be such that when he comes, we'll have an abundant entrance into the kingdom. For an example, you call somebody, a friend of yours on the phone. And you say, hey, listen, I want to take you out to lunch Tuesday. And so I'll be around at 12 o'clock. Now be ready because we're going to go and eat a good meal and I'm going to pay for it. And so your friend, you know, says, OK. And so you right, you know, like you said, you show up at his house on Tuesday at noon 
and you knock on the door and you knock on the door and you knock on the door and finally he opens the door. Here he is in his pajamas. He hasn't showered. He just woke up. Amen. He's been laying in bed all morning long, (laughs) just being lazy. And you're supposed to take him out to eat lunch. Well, how long is it going to take him to get ready? Doesn't that make you mad? Doesn't that irritate you? You take your time and your money and all your effort to bless somebody and they don't even pay attention to you. Well, let me tell you, if it was up to me, I'd say, brother, we'll just do this some other time and I'd go have lunch if I had to have it by myself. But I was not going to wait around for my, quote, friend, unquote, to get ready when he should have already been ready. So we need to be ready. The Lord's come when when the Lord comes, you and I, we need to be ready. And I want to ask you this question. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? Do you know if the Lord were to come at this moment, you'd be ready to go? Do you know, are you living your life in such a way that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would have an abundant entrance into his kingdom? Or would you hang your head in shame because you weren't ready? Oh, friend, we need to be ready. Let's be ready. Let's just obey what the Lord Jesus says. Be ready. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, watch, therefore, for, you know, not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man is going to come. Amen. Let's be ready. Glory to God. All right. Verse 12. Looking for. Now, really, let's read 11 and 12 again. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Now, I've been in the charismatic movement for a long time, and I was taught that hastening means that we can hurry up God. Let's just get busy working, 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 working. And then we can hurry up this day. And that's not all what this verse of Scripture is talking about. This word hastening, you know what it means? It means earnestly desiring the coming of the Lord. Just like you got this grand event. This is something that you've wanted to do your entire life. And now somebody has paid your ticket to go. And you can't wait to get there. I'm telling you, you are sitting on G. You are waiting on O. You are ready hours, hours before you're to be there. You're so excited. That's exactly what this word is speaking of. We get so excited about the things of God. Oh, we get so excited about the coming of the Lord. We want to tell everybody. Amen. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Looking for and hastening to the coming of the Lord. Amen. And of course, you know, the Apostle Peter, he talks about this coming. Now, and excuse me. And uh, in First Thessalonians, Paul talks about the rapture of the church. And Second Thessalonians, he talks about the day of the Lord, the coming of the day of God. Amen. And so we don't have time to read these scriptures, but uh, but 
The Lord is going to return just like he said he would. And you who are troubled, I'll go ahead and read it anyway. And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is going to come again. He's going to take possession of this earth. And guess what? You're going to you and I are going to come with him if if we're ready. Amen. Verse 13 says, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Shouldn't that be something that we should be excited about? Absolutely. And then verse 14 says, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Be diligent. Make every effort. Be prompt. Be earnest. Be you use speed. Be ready. Sitting on G, waiting on O. Amen. Praise God. And so that when the Lord does come, he finds us in peace, spotless and blameless. That means living and walking in holiness. And regard, verse 15, the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom gives him, uh, given to him, wrote to you. Amen. Now, the patience of the Lord, it's because he's gracious. He wants all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 16, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Let me tell you something, teachers. Remember what James says. Be not the many teachers, knowing that you and I will receive the greater condemnation. That's why it's so important for us to preach the word, to read it for ourselves, to study it for ourselves, to meditate on it ourselves, to to get the word ingrained on the inside of us, to know what the word of God is saying to us, being able to interpret the word of God correctly. There's only one interpretation. There may be several applications, but there's only one interpretation. Amen. Let's find out what that interpretation is. The only way to find out is to go to the original. Amen. Get scholarly help. Amen. Get the interpretation. Find out exactly what the scripture is saying and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice Paul says here the untaught and the unstable. What's he talking about? He's talking about people that have not received sufficient instruction to be able to interpret the word of God correctly. And it does take years of study, by the way. And then verses 17 and 18, you therefore, beloved, knowing this before him, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error, error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. Be on guard. You and I are to be on guard. And then finally, in verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity, to the day of eternity, to the day of eternity. That's a day. It's a day that never ends. And that's the eternity you and I are walking in now. Listen, if you're outside of Christ, you're walking in eternal death. But if you're in Christ, you're walking in eternal life. That's the day. Either day. Do you want the day of death or do you want the day of life? If you want the day of life, choose Jesus and do it now. 
Father, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, let the Word of God pierce our heart, the two-edged sword, to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Father, we give you thanks and praise. Now speak to the, to the hearts of each one within the sound of my voice. And Lord, concerning Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.